Thank you for tuning into the Walk in Truth Radio Network. Stay tuned for an encouraging word from Pastor, Teacher Dr. James Sutton. Let's see what Pastor Sutton has to say to us today. left the house and today you know what I want to talk about uh, God's love God's love I'm working on a sermon for Sunday about God's love and God does everything out of his love for his creation if you think about it even the wrath of God is an example of his love plus his forgiveness and his forbearance and his grace and the forgiving of his son so that we can be forgiven so when I think about his love we have to think about forgiveness and what I see in the saints that's the one area of our holiness that we can definitely use and need some improvement. The question I have for you guys is how much do you love? And behind that is how deep is your love? How vast is your love? And therefore, how much do you forgive? And what do you base your forgiveness on? Is it from circumstance to circumstance? Situation to situation? Depends upon the person. Why do you, how do you forgive? How do you determine whether you forgive or not? Is it based upon the relationship or lack thereof that you determine forgiveness? What is it that you decide to do to enact forgiveness? And it's quite fascinating because the Bible clearly teaches in Luke chapter 7 with the unnamed woman who's a prostitute that she had met Jesus at a future at a date and she was forgiven much and because she was forgiven much she loved much so love and forgiveness goes hand in hand and I find out that some saints bless their hearts the stalwarts the ones who have been in church all their life you know, the ones that's baptized when they was 13, 12, and 10. And they've kept the church up and running. But what I do see, and this is my observation, some of them, not all of them, but too many of them, their love is suspect and their forgiveness is situational. And the person who's been a wretch, 
a person who has been someone of ill repute, a person who has been used by the society, and especially women, and some men who have went through afflictions and addictions, I call the CIAs of life, and really felt like they were outcasts or throwaway. And they meet Jesus. Somehow they meet Jesus. And it's normally through someone who has went through the same things that they have been. They felt and been told in so many different ways they were unwelcome to God. And then they meet somebody who's told them, God loves you. God died. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you. And if you believe in him, you are forgiven. And it's those who come late in life, who live a horse, wretched, thieving, lying, just society's outcast. Those who finally meet Jesus appreciate the fact that there's somebody who loves them enough to say no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. And the more sin you have, the more you're forgiven. And the more you're forgiven, the more love you'll show to somebody else. And that's what the church, I think, lacks at times, is that it forgets, as a corporate body, how the church is full of X somebody ex-whoremongers, ex-thieves, ex-liars, that mother, that deacon, that elder that you may be looking at, that you looked up to, has a past that you probably don't even know. They've lost their testimony and they don't tell it anymore. Yes, because they've been delivered from it, but they don't understand how their testimony of being delivered from their wretchedness plays into the gospel of grace that you can be forgiven and you don't have to do any religious ritual that you believe in the God, the Jesus, the Yeshua that died on the cross and forgiven you. And no matter what we've done, he says, come, whomsoever will, let them come. And then we have the flip side of that. We begin to set up these fortresses in church, me, myself, and I. And really, we say it. A pastor often points to the door. How many times have you, you know what? How many times have you guys ever experienced the situation where a uh, pastor or clergy member in the middle of their sermon and they point at the door and they say something like this. Y'all gotta get ready because there's gonna be all types of people coming into this church, prostitutes and whores, and you guys have got so comfortable that you won't let nobody sit next to you. You gotta get ready. And he's pointing at the door and everybody looks back at the door, but in their hearts you can sense they don't want nobody like that in their church. But they know that's the right thing to say. That's the political, politically correct thing to say inside the body of Christ. That we want these people who are outcasts, 
But the reality is, no, you don't. All you want and all they want is people who are just like them now, not just like them to where they come from. Not someone on the journey, but someone who's already saved, sanctified, full of Holy Ghost. Not someone who, who needs to be shown love, but someone who's already become a stepford wife, a clone. And therefore they'll say something like this. And I know you've heard this before. The church, and most churches say this, who are declining and, and they have to have a reason to stay in fellowship. And they'll say, our church is a hospital. People come and people go. Well, really, they're trying to make an excuse for the people who left. That's all. I'm just being honest with you. They're trying to make an excuse for the people who left. And they're saying the reason why people come and go because we're a hospital. But really, the church has become an institutional mortuary. And it's just stacking up old dead bodies, dead works, dead rituals, dead programs, me, myself, and I. No reward work-based sanctification outreach. Just, we're gonna have a banquet because we always had a banquet. We're gonna have this function because we always have a function. And it doesn't make a difference if we have 100 people or two people. We're gonna have the function because that's what we're used to doing. But you measure a church by the way it opens its arms to the world of hurting, hell-bound, outcast, throwaway people. That's how that works. That's what you open your, your arms to. You don't open your, you know, it's not, you know, there's a, there's a level where we, we begin to forget where we came from and that our wretchedness is part of our journey and our testimony to show other people God has forgiven them. So those of us who come late in life, who's lived a life of opulence, wretchedness, whoredness, thieving, whatever you want to, whatever sin you are, whatever poison you pick, we tend to love God so much because, doesn't it sound like familiar? We've been forgiven much. We've been forgiven much. When God revealed himself to me, and he's a revelatory God, you know what he revealed to me first? The wretchedness of my sin. The wretchedness of my sin, the things that I had done, that I had set, that had got set in place, that I had done, that basically, that basically had a ripple effect in other people's lives. He showed me like in a movie, a vision, of all the sin that I had done from the age of understanding up until that point and how each decision had a ripple effect not only in my life but in the lives of others who had participated or condoned or been the victim in a subtle way and some in not so subtle ways of my decisions. 
And you know, he showed that to me. So I can come to the conclusion and recognize that I couldn't save myself with no amount of money that I had, no matter how much I attained, nothing. There's nothing that could save me. No matter what the motivational speaker said, there was still lacking a sense of love and forgiveness. And there's no amount of achievement that could take care of that. None. There's no amount of achievement that could take care of what I yearn for. And a lot of people don't yearn for it. I mean, that's what they say. Because they haven't given the revelation. And then, no, and hold up, this is the funny part. <clears throat> there are some people who are so relatively good, they think they don't need God. They think that because they don't do this, and you met them, they don't do that. <laughs> that they're saved by what they don't do. But let me tell you something. Every person that I met that approaches it that way, there's something that they do or something that they've done that they will never come clean with. They set up these artificial rules as the, as the Jews did. And as Peter recognized, that is a yoke that they can't even bear. They become legalists. They become relativists. And their relation with other people who are fallen is one of piety, smugness, and ignorance. Not love, not forgiveness, not forbearance, not understanding, not a philosophy of feel, felt, found. I understand how you feel because I've been through it. I felt the same way about it until I found out that I recognized I couldn't save myself and I needed a savior. Some people just need church. I mean, the building, the organization. But some people, all people, really need the church, the body of Christ, that's made up of wretched people going through life, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit every day. <clears throat> One and done in your salvation, but the continuing sanctification of the Holy Spirit leading you into all truth. And let me tell you how you grow in faith and love and grace is that you still realize that you have been forgiven much. You don't look at it as something that you need to take advantage of. You look at it as the real deal, understanding you have been forgiven and you've been forgiven much. And no matter how relatively good you are, there's a sin nature in you that is telling you and deceiving you, telling you everything's okay with you just like you are. And you know what you're doing? You're comparing yourself to other people. You're comparing yourself to those who have fallen. You're comparing yourself to those who you believe with your, in your ignorance are worse off than you because you don't do this 
or you do do that. Or I go to church every Sunday, every Tuesday, Wednesday. Every time the church door open, I'm there. But the key is you may go to the building, but it is the church, the body of Christ, the forgiveness, the love in you. You become so ritualistic, so religious that your forgiveness is never seen. You only forgive when it benefits you. You don't take on the debt of forgiveness when it hurts you, it stretches you. And the only way you can learn to love like Christ and truly take advantage of being conformed to his image, ask your question. Do you love the ones who are not considered lovely? Do you forgive the ones who actually believe they can't be forgiven? Are you willing to stretch out your arms and your hands to those who are outcasts and a castaway? Or is it you can only forgive if again the situation benefits you? Jesus forgave and it didn't benefit him. He still had to go to the cross to be the sacrifice so that grace can be given to us in abundance apart from our works but because of his awesome work on the cross. In Ephesians, it tells us the unsearchable riches of his mercy. That means, simply put, his mercy, his grace, and his love is so unsearchable and it's so rich that you could never use it up. No matter what you do, you can never use it up. You can never come to the point where his grace and his mercy cannot touch because it's there but you know what the faith in that comes by hearing and the hearing comes by the word of God that's how that happens it won't come any other way and that's where we're at now in life people need to hear the gospel of grace and not the false gospel of works with this pandemic Money couldn't buy a cure. People are getting sick, rich and poor. People are losing their lives. With money in the bank, seeing the doctors, taking all the medicines, and they still needed a savior. So instead of preaching prosperity and money and rings, things, and automobiles, why not preach, teach, and show the love of God? by learning how to forgive like God and open up your arms to those who are considered the ill repute. It's just, I think about that. That woman, which her, she's nameless, and she's not Mary Magdalene because Mary Magdalene comes on the scene in chapter eight of Luke. There'd be no reason not to mention her name if it was her in chapter seven, but I digress. Um, since, since we're thinking about that woman, it's like she forgave. She loves much because she's, she understands how much she's been forgiven. She takes her life into her hands. She takes being ostracized even the more in her hands. And everybody knew her profession. But she didn't care. Because at some point she met Jesus and Jesus told her, I love you, your sins are forgiven because obviously God revealed himself that he was the one 
just maybe the things I heard about him. I heard he heals lepers. I heard he lets people see. I heard he makes the lame walk. I heard he preaches the good news to the captives and he sets them free. And she say, maybe. I'm captivated to the abuse of men who have used me and the way I live my life. I'm captivated to sin and the town knows this because Pharisee identified her as a sinner and said, Jesus, if he was a prophet, he would know the kind of woman she was. How you doing today? And she was a sinner. She was a prophet too. He knew. He knew the kind of woman she was, but that's the beautiful thing about God. He knows how we all are. And no matter what mask we put on, no matter what pretense we put up, he loves us enough to send his son to die for us. And that's the part. That's the part we want to convey to people. It makes no difference who you are, where you are in life, how far you've fallen. God loves you enough send his son to die for you and the great part about this is this is the power of the king that was here when you read Isaiah 61 and 1 he gives you what he's come to do and the authority to which it comes from he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me and then he went on to tell you things I just previously said what he came to do and he was doing them so imagine her laying in the bed after so many men of that day, or even women of that day. And some of her, one of her clients say, you know what, there's this guy named Jesus running around and they calling him a prophet. But you know, we don't know who he is, but he's claiming that he can do all those things and set the captives free. And then she was thinking, just maybe, just maybe. I wonder, can he forgive me? I wonder, will he forgive me? I wonder, will he set me free from my sin and allow me to be a new creature? And somewhere on the line between that time and the time she came to meet him at dinner, she ran into him. And Jesus said, she loves much because she had been forgiven much. Whatever her encounter was with Jesus before that dinner, she was revealed. He was the one that could wipe away all her sins. And upon wiping away all her sins, she came to shed her tears. Not the tears of the guilt, but the tears of the love, the tears of the forgiveness, the tears towards a God, a man, a prophet, a sacrifice that said your sins are forgiven and she honored him she adored him and even though the Pharisees rejected him and always tried to trick him and set him up it was a set at setup to show the contrast between those who understood what true love is by their wretchedness and the capacity to forgive and to love and those who are religious righteous pious and they believed they were upright. They would miss it because they're so close, but yet so far. 
because they never approach anything by faith. They always approach things, the everything, even salvation itself, through the law, which Paul explained, could never save. So how do you approach your love? Do you realize you've been forgiven much with your self-righteous self? Do you realize that you're not as pure as heart as your piety tells you that you are? That you're not as Holy Ghost living as you portray to be? That even right now as I talk to some, you tell you this, some of you shoes are under somebody else's bed. I mean that metaphorically and literally that you're wearing a mask of religion and you're still in the yoke of the bondage of your sin because you played church and you were taught this you was indoctrinated into the rituals you was indoctrinated into when to stand when to sit but you never fell on your face and cried out to God and said oh what a wretched man that I am who can save me? You won't do it. You're too far into religion. You can't do it. You can't go back. You can't imagine telling somebody, I've been in church all my life. And I realized after I've been presented the real gospel, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. Think about that. Maybe this weekend, maybe you'll let somebody hear this. Maybe some of you will get mad enough. But I tell you what, it doesn't make a difference. Because the gospel of grace said, he died on that cross. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that we have been justified by his blood and we have peace with God. Those of us who believe. And that we can come boldly because of his love the throne of grace he's given us access Romans chapter 5 verse 1 he's given us access through his grace through his unmerited favor that was paid for the debt that you have was incurred by him it did disappear he paid the price and set you free and if you had a lot of debt like I have a lot of had a lot of debt and he's still paying the price of a debt I couldn't pay I could live a thousand lifetimes and never pay back the debt that will make me holy enough to stand before the true living God. But he did. And by his imputed righteousness, I can be a fellow heir of Abraham by faith. It's by faith we are saved through grace, which is what this free gift of God to whom whomever will believe in the resurrected Christ. You can walk into the power of the resurrection, but your step, your first step in walking in the power of the resurrection is simply this, the step of love and forgiveness and then showing grace. Recognize your, re your condition, recognize who can solve it. Your response is a contrite heart and a contrite spirit and those are the ones God is looking for and then God's response is come unto me all you 
who are heavy in labor and I'll give you rest. And the rest that you're really looking for is not a pillow, but the love of God in Christ Jesus. So I hope with this new little rig I set up to record this, that uh, it got recorded. But even if it didn't, it edifies me. So please do me a favor, hit that like button on YouTube, Walker Truth Radio Network, and hit that like button on Facebook, Walker Truth Radio Network. Come over and befriend me, James Sutton II, and I will befriend you. If you want to have a conversation with me, all you need to do is uh, contact me by email, which will be in the description box. Just think about what I said. Oh, today, this is your walk and talk with Pastor Jay. I pray that you have a great rest of the week. And just if you would think about a little bit about what I said. If you don't agree with it, fine. But if you understand that you've been forgiven much, this will resonate with you. Because somebody had to make me see, which was God himself, through the eyes of a man named Nicholas Perez, how much God loved me, how much he's willing to forgive me. And all I had to do was put my faith and my trust in all of that he accomplished on the cross. He was raised for our justification. Thank you for tuning in to today's teaching. We hope you have been inspired and encouraged. Please look in the description box for our contact information. All are welcome and we look forward to connecting with you soon. Be encouraged, blessed and at peace and remember walk in truth.